to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. My name is Marissa Lodanik, and this is our grand final season review extravaganza. Please, lots of applause all round. Um, we're so stoked, but also sad that the season has ended. We've won and done everything. Victory are now the champions of the league, and we need to talk about it. We need to review it. So that is what we're going to do right now going to be a little bit different to our usual pod it really will be a season review so we're going to talk about our favorite things that we've seen this season we'll obviously dissect the grand final we'll have a little bit of a team of the season chat and do some other little things just to reflect on the season that was as always it's me Anna Harrington Sam Lewis and Angela Christian Wilkes so we're going to start off with the grand final review Melbourne victory were 1-0 winners after extra time in the grand final over Sydney FC it was a game like holy crap it was a game uh Sam was in Sydney obviously Angela and I were up in Sydney as well Harry was watching it on the TV we all it was such a great game Angela I'll start with you though because we were there in the away bay being big old victory nuffies how was the day for you uh oh just uh incredible but I suppose the game experience itself was a little bit torturous as a a, um as a victory fan so we were sitting me and Marissa were sitting together in the away bay with um some friends that had also traveled up from Melbourne and some Sydney friends as well and oh my god like just the amount of chances that victory had across the game it was like not to be completely crude but it was sort of like the world's longest edge in a football game and <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry but like you know what I mean and so I was talking to a friend last night about it <laughs> and he was like but surely you would have wanted to have win like won the game more comprehensively like they left it super last minute like literally the last minute but I was like I think that made it all the more incredible when it actually happened because it was just absolute scenes um Marissa was like losing her mind Dave our friend turned around and was like it's an Olympico and like ah! and if anyone everyone who listens to this pod will know that Marissa's like about I would say 99% of your brand actually that's a joke but like a lot of your brand is about Olympicos you, you'll bloody love an Olympico so yeah it was just incredible and then it, that was the moment I guess I didn't realize until they brought it back to the halfway line I'm like shit we still have to play a few more seconds of this game things could go tits up oh my god we could still go to penalties but then so that few minutes was just ugh. but then oh my god it was yeah I ah, I'm just beaming I just I don't even know how else to articulate it in um in in word good but yeah incredible times just great ah. and I think I was listening back to our um like season preview pod and I don't know if anyone recalls but Anna was like do you think victory will make it will be champions and I was like nah, nah. and so I think I carried that through the whole season I just didn't want to get my hopes up at all so actually even getting to the grand final was such a magical thing um and physically getting there as well I thought like yeah I'm just so glad that I got to be there and then it happened and this team is we'll probably get into this but they're just the vibes are immaculate they're such a wonderful team and just yeah oh it's so good Sam you were up in the media box so it's a little bit of a a different vantage point how did you see the game you obviously wrote heaps about it and we'll give those articles a retweet because they were absolutely excellent but how did you see it I suppose from the different vantage point of being in the media in the media box all that stuff yeah, like we had an interesting chat, Marissa, about um, how your support or how the way that you experience football changes when you're reporting on it, when you're writing about it. You tend to take a bit more of an objective view of these kinds of things. And that was really hard for me in this game because I'm a Sydney fan, you know, and I, I, I was deeply sort of emotionally invested in a lot of the stories of this Sydney team and of the stories of a lot of players across the league, you know, and uh, 
I, I don't know, uh, no one outside the media box at Jubilee Stadium will know this, but whenever I go there specifically to that stadium to, to cover games, I always stand up because there are two sort of tiers of, of seating and you, you sit down in chairs in the, front, um, in the front tier and then you've got sort of like high bar stools at the back, but I never sit on them. I always just stand up. So by the end of the game, I was fucking exhausted because I'd been standing up for basically three and a half hours um, and I, yeah, like it was just, it was one of the most gripping grand final games that I think I, I've ever seen in the W League. Um, the, the, I don't know how Victory didn't win it in the 90 minutes. I don't know how they didn't put five past Jada Wyman in the 90 minutes, but she had probably the best game I've ever seen her play. She fully deserved that player of the match award. And it is such an important moment for her to be able to kick on, I think, considering she came back from two years of being injured. And there were so many people who'd started to question whether or not she'd ever get back to the kinds of levels that got her into, you know, the young Matildas and, and that sort of thing. So she was extraordinary. And I was like, I remember the moment when. Kyra Cooney-Cross scored the goal and I had a, a sort of a, a moment of complete devastation because I saw the looks on the faces of all the Sydney players realising what had happened and it was they were just so exhausted and you just knew as soon as the ball went in, as soon as you saw what, what they did in the seconds after it that they they were just like, all right, that's it. They're like that's we've done literally all we can, and this is this is our fate. And but you know, as as devastated as I was for Sydney because they had played so well in up, up basically up until that point, um, I that that sort of feeling of devastation very very quickly was taken over by complete joy, because what a way to end this season, you know that moment at this game but that moment in particular of Kyra Cooney Cross being the big game decider with an Olympico goal it just was the was the perfect marriage of everything that we've been talking about this season you know it was her moment of arrival on a bigger kind of platform and it was such a, a beautiful and exciting and you know confidence boosting moments that showed people outside of us W League nuffies that this league and these players are something really special um so that's why I am actually really glad that it ended the way that it did even though it didn't go in my team's favor I'm so glad that it ended like that because it was the perfect summation of everything that made this season so fabulous and it was a brilliant advertisement for a league that is, I think, as a result of this season, going to kick on. Like, I think that this, this season has really changed something for the W League in combination with a whole bunch of other different things and, and influences and contexts and whatever. But this season and these players and everything that they've done in the circumstances has just been extraordinary. And what a way to, to cap it all off then having someone like a teenage Kyra Cooney Cross scoring a goal that goes viral you know, it's, it was just incredible. Sam, I was, um, as a, as a journo, like when, when the game's going on, like you're like, the, it seemed like it should have been the easiest say match report ever to write because victory had so many chances. Like it's a, a victory dominance, you know? And then I was thinking like, as a deadline reporter, you're like, oh, if Jada Wyman keeps going and then it goes to penalties, like it could easily be a I remember covering the A-League grand final a few years back where Lawrence Thomas, the victory goalkeeper, got kicked in the face and made all these saves and won the best on best of field medal. Like it could have easily been that for Jada Wyman. And then just um, it was one where you really have to bust a gut in terms of filing because of, yeah, obviously Kara Cooney Cross um, uh, was surely second to Jada Wyman in the voting, like had to have been surely, but um for her to pull that moment out was fantastic. One, one thing that I think has actually gone under the radar a little bit in terms of the wash-up was everything that Victory as a team have been through to reach this point. Um, I loved reading Sam's pieces, but it was something that I think, I think Jeff and Angie Beard in the lead-up to this game actually talked about it a little bit. But let's remember 
Melbourne last year was in lockdown. Lots of these players did not play. Angie Beard wouldn't have played by her time in Iceland, like wouldn't have played NPL. Catherine Zimmerman and Kayla Morrison didn't play, like as two players that ended up being really crucial parts of that team. Polly Doran, who had a breakout season, didn't play. Like all these players were not playing NPLW last season. So that's the first point. First game of the season, meant to be travelling to Perth Glory, border issues because of that Sydney cluster that came down to Melbourne. That game gets moved. They play Brisbane Royal Home. And they had multiple games moved throughout the season, like rescheduled the game where they copped 6-0 against Brisbane Royal was on the Gold Coast because that got moved as well. They had so many games shifted around. Um, and even that, that semi-final against Brisbane Royal, there was a bit of uncertainty going into the week because of that little Brisbane cluster. And all they had to do, what they had to do in the end was sort of block it out and just focus on themselves. But And then obviously they copped the loss to Sydney in the last week of the regular season, a game that had also been moved. So they just had all these little weird setbacks and adjustments to make throughout the whole season. And for plenty of other teams, or maybe even this team in another year, that would be enough to sort of throw you off your game. But it's incredible the way that I think they actually managed to push through that. And I think they probably actually learned from the last couple of years. I think it was two years ago where they beat Sydney relatively comprehensively. I think it was 3-1 and Nat Tobin scored a late banger in Melbourne. And then the week after they lost the semi-final. This time they sort of flipped it and Sam and I were on that call with Jeff Hopkins and Angie Beard where I think Jeff said if we'd have won that game we probably wouldn't have analysed it quite so hard but because we lost we had to you know you have to have the hard conversations you have to break it down you have to really dissect it and I think they came out and for me it felt like they were never gonna lose until once the chances start piling up, you go, oh God, is this going to be the worst possible sort of heartbreak where you waste all these chances and then you cop a goal late or you lose on penalties. But yeah, I just thought it was such an impressive show of character considering everything they've been through. And I love the way you summed it up there, Sam, with Kyra Cooney-Cross, who's a player who's had her own journey in that sense. You know, kid that I think they sort of gradually introduced to football a couple of years ago because she was a tiny scrawny little 16-year-old, got a few glimpses here and there, went to the Wanderers, shows she could play consistently. I get the impression she probably would have liked to stay there, got held to a victory contract, I think played at victory and really kicked on. And I think to do that, to build and build throughout the season and then produce your, probably the biggest game of your career in the, the biggest game of your career, like your best performance was fantastic. I think underlined the way they built into that. So... No, I think just fantastic show of, of resilience and I guess ultimately quality in the end because that Sydney team, I mean, the fact that it took so long to break them down shows what a formidable opponent they were throughout the season too. Even if, you know, Victory Polly should have scored a few more. It's, uh, yeah, a testament to, to the quality both teams have shown this year. I think you spoke about this a little in um, your guiding piece, Sam, but also these two teams are teams that have done the right thing this season, I guess. And that's why, like, with Sydney being there, they were so deserving. And they, like we talked about, you know, they were the first team to put their squad together. They focused on youth and they've got great energy around them. They play for each other. And the same can be said for victory. And I know, um, Marissa, you can also speak to this if you want to, but, like, as a long-term victory fan to see, I think this grand final is so special just because we've seen what, Jeff has done with this with this team and with this squad and he's got these core players so yeah Angie Beard, Yukari Cooney Cross and Melina Ayres at the centre of it all and they've really come to fruition this season so Angie Beard in the leadership sense um, and then like Melina Ayres in terms of just developing her game that little bit further and Kyra Cooney Cross coming into her own so just like that progression from when he first came into looking like came into the role at victory and what was it? We got two wooden spoons in a row and you're just like hanging in there, hoping for that sort of like light at the end of the tunnel. And then we get the semis two years in a row and it's no bueno. And so, yeah, it's just in that way, just reflecting on the, I guess the long, long form narrative of this team is just, it's incredible to think that, yeah, victory have gotten the championship and, um, I think, yeah, a testament to Jeff. He's an incredible coach. And 
Um, in addition to that as well, I suppose what you were saying, Anna, there about the resilience this team has built, they get around each other so much and it seems like such a special squad in terms of the chemistry and them wanting to play for each other. And that's really been reflected in, I think, the things that players have posted after the game as well and the celebrations and all of that stuff. So that that makes it extra special as well, I suppose, the the vibes, the general vibes of this victory squad. But, yeah. Yeah, bouncing off that, Angela, and, and what you said as well, Harrow, the reason I was so pleased to see both of these sides in the final is because they have, I think, adapted to all of the challenges that the season has thrown at them the best. You know, we spoke at pre-season about the fact that Sydney FC came out with, you know, conviction. They're like, this is our team. We are deciding now that this is how we are going to approach the season. We're going to focus on Australian youth. We're going to focus on young players. And like when they won the premiership, I'm pretty sure that was an historic moment for Sydney FC because it was the youngest ever premiership team. The average age was 22. That's pretty extraordinary. Um, and so speaking from a, uh, in a similar way to what you did, Hara, about what Melbourne Victory had to go through, Sydney FC had to go through a lot of kinds of things like that as well. Like they had to play all New South Wales-based sides when we were going through those various lockdowns and border restrictions at the start of the season. They had fixture reshuffles here, there and everywhere. They came into the season losing their starting centre-back in Liz Ralston. They had to adjust to losing Ellie Brush towards the back end of the season um, they had to make emergency signings. They had to try and find ways to really start to include them and find some chemistry really, really quickly. And huge shout out to the club and huge shout out to Natasha Pryor, who I thought was absolutely extraordinary considering she has been out of the game for so long. She slotted into that centre-back position alongside Nat Tobin almost seamlessly. I was so, so impressed with the two of them towards the end of that season. Um, and again, against Canberra, we spoke about it. They lost Courtney Vine. And for a, a team that had become so reliant on their two wide forwards in Vine and Princess Sabini, to have one of them go down and then have to see other players step up to try and get results when your main creative player is no longer with you, the fact that they were able to win that semifinal against Canberra 3-0 with three goal scorers who were not your regular goal scorers, I think was a real testament to the depth of that Sydney side and the confidence that those young players had in being able to step up and take those responsibilities on their own shoulders. Um, and again, I think that was a, another sort of blow uh, in the final is when Princess Sabini had to go off injured. I think that really, really blunted Sydney's attack because in that first half, you saw her start to grow into the game as she had done and as the, as Sydney had done as a team in most of their games this season. They sort of take a little while to warm up, uh, but towards the end of the first half, they tend to start to look dangerous and then they come out flying in the second. So as soon as Princess Sabini went off, um, I, yeah, I was like, okay, well, that's, I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Um, Alira Toby, to her credit, came on and, and did as much as she could, but you could tell that she hadn't been playing very much with these players. Her, her decision-making was a little bit off. Her touch was a little bit off. Um, and, you know, it, it was ultimately Claire Wheeler who had to really hustle and do just a, a mountain of work to try and create opportunities for Sydney. Um, in even even in like the, the 88th minute, like Wheeler, I just remember making a charging, sprinting run, uh, you know, down the line, trying to get onto a ball and like nipping in behind a defender and sending a cross in. It's just like these players, like they they just give so much. And even when it seems like everything is against them, they still work their absolute fucking asses off to try and do something for the team. So. Yeah, I think both Sydney and Victory have had to navigate similar kinds of challenges, challenges that were thrown at them that they had no control over, but they responded in the in the best and the most resilient and the most adaptable ways that I think any other club in, in the league had done. And I think they were well set up to do that too, Sam. Like we spoke pre-season about how early Sydney FC put their squad together and Victory on a similar note did that as well. Like, the one thing that I spoke to Nat Tobin in the lead up to grand final week, who was obviously really important in that run, all Australian team at Sydney FC, which is awesome. Like Ante Juric sort of read what was going to happen and went, 
snap up all these great young Aussies from other clubs, Claire Wheeler being the standout, Courtney Vine another, um, which was super impressive. They got in a team. Obviously, most of their team had already played together for several seasons, so they're very consistent. Um, but that was fantastic. And victory in a similar vein drew on what they knew, the players they knew. They locked in most of the squad they already had. And then players like Zimmerman and Morrison have been around the traps for a bit now. Like I think Zimmerman um, trained with them in a previous season. Morrison's been well known around the MPLW. Like so, both of these teams sort of well, aunt, well the coaches Ante Yurich and Jeff Hopkins and their respective groups saw what was happening. They knew they were going to lose players or had already lost players, and they knew what resources they had. They locked in. They made sure they locked in the players they already had. And they went and picked up the players that would slot into their respective groups. And it's a credit to both of both of those coaches and both of those teams. And I think at the end of the day, it's hard to argue that they weren't the two teams that deserve to take away pieces of silverware this year. Brisbane Raw permitting, given they lost a couple of players, um, obviously at a crucial time. But you can't really fault most of what both of these two teams did. Like, um, just, yeah, a real, I guess, standout and... You know, Sydney FC have now been involved in, what, three of the last four grand finals? Is that right? Yeah, so, and Victory have been an ever-present in at least the semi-finals and now the final for the last sort of three seasons. So they're clearly doing a lot right, and that's that's what you've got to strive to do. So, no, I, I thought the right teams to conclude the season and, yeah, hell of a contest to finish it off. Not just for the W League nuts. The other thing that I, I really loved about these two teams being in this moment together was that each of them had a player who has really defined their club and the league more generally. So I, I wrote about it for my ESPN column. At the end of the game, two of the players who really caught my eye were Teresa Plyas and Lisa Devanna. Plyas was understandably quite upset about the loss um, especially because there were some question marks around the corner that eventually led to the goal. And, you know, the whistle had gone, everyone rushed into the field. They were preparing the stage, you know, they were bringing the glitter cannons and all that shit around. And I just remember seeing Lisa come over to, to tea and put her arm around her. And the two of them were just sort of standing there watching everything that was happening around them. And that was such a, I think such a representative kind of moment for everything that has happened and everything that this season meant sort of more widely in, in the context of the history of the league. Like these are two women who entered the W League before people gave a shit. They came into the W League before they got paid. They did this as amateurs. They dedicated so much. They sacrificed so much to be part of this. And so to see the two of them each of them respective trophy winners this season, having led their respective sides, whether they were captain or, or just a sort of a, a more senior leader player, they got them to this point and they have ushered in and mentored this next generation of, of Sydney and victory players and of Australian players who are going to be taking over the mantle over the next, the next decade. You know, these were the two women who sort of defined the first the first 10 years of Australian women's football for me in, in the context of the W League. Polias is the record all-appearance holder for the league and Devano is Australia's greatest ever goal scorer. And to see the two of them standing there and just, you know, watching the fruits of their, no pun intended, labour, you know, they are almost like the mothers of the league. They are the mothers of, of this of this game in so many ways and of these players around them. Um, and so that was a really that was a really special moment, I think, for me and for a lot of people to to see them um, respect each other in that way. Um, not just as as opponents and as competitors, but as two women who were in so many ways um, you know com compatriots. They were they were women who who helped each other to help everyone else in 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 a lot of ways. So yeah, that was really special, and I'm really glad that the two of them got so much um, so much attention this season because there was so much focus on young players. There was so much focus on the players who weren't here, the big players who left, 
but it's players like T, it's players like Lisa, it's players like Ellie Brush, it's players like, you know, Amy Jackson, it's players like Tara Andrews, it's players like Riley Dobson, it's players like these who stuck around, who are, are really the, the sort of the pillars of this competition and the pillars of the sport here. So I'm really glad that, that, this, that this season was one for them and that this final was one for them in that way as well. Um, and I, I, I don't think, you know, we, we spoke to T in the lead up to the final and, I, you know, it doesn't sound like she really knows what she wants to do next, but I really hope that she sticks around in some, in some shape or form, whether she's a player, whether she's a mentor, whether she does things behind the scenes, because her in particular, from a Sydney perspective, she means so much to so many people and she has done so much for the league and for the game. So yeah, that was just a really poignant sort of moment for me as well to cap it all off. Someone should make a statue of her, with, do, taking a corner. Yes. That would be so nice. Oh, my God. Yeah, imagine. That'd be great. Go fund me. Let's make with that happen. Sydney Grand, do we put it at Sam? <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> One at all of them. Should we present? Yeah. <laughs> Every ground around Australia. <laughs> you must have some sort of record. little statues, so we could probably afford it, just little tiny oh, tears. <laughs> That's right, because isn't it, what, what's the line? Two-thirds of the planet is covered by water and the other third is covered by Teresa Pliers. <laughs> so that makes sense if we have if we have statues of her everywhere. Oh. Yes, it sounds good. I, I, I love that, Sam. I thought that was a brilliant way of uh, summarising what this season meant. I loved you mentioned Amy Jackson as well because I'm pretty sure the last two seasons she's lived in Queensland and then relocated back to Victoria to play in the W League. So I thought that was fantastic for such, I guess, a, a stalwart of the league who won championships at City. But in her previous two stints at Victory, never won the championship. She sort of timed her run sort of awkwardly and a very close friend of Lisa Devanna. I thought it was great that you mentioned her. Um, just with a bit of news that's come up before we recorded the pod, I thought it was fantastic that um, Kayla Morrison, who had never played in the W League before, had played in our NPLW, uh, went and played in Sweden and then joined Victory, won Victory's Players' Players Award and also the Victory Medal, which I don't think there's a higher award you can achieve as an individual than being named like MVP or Player of the Season in a, in a championship year. Like... Um, one, to have the recognition of your peers as a player's player, but to be the player that has, I guess, underpinned a team that's gone all the way is a, is a fantastic recognition. Um, and all the defenders we have on here complain that they don't get recognised enough. So, <laughs> um, yeah, congratulations to Kayla Morrison, who had a truly stellar season and uh, it got recognised at, at Victory's um, Player Awards on Wednesday night. So... Congratulations to Kayla Morrison and Melbourne Victory. It's nice. I think we've discussed, you know, the young players that emerged because of the exodus. So Yukara Kitty Cross types. We've spoken about the stalwarts who have kind of been a part of this league forever. Your Lisa Devanna's, your Teresa Plyas's. I think the third category of player that's really been allowed to shine this season is your Kayla Morrison's, the player that could not get a look in because she happened to be an international playing at MPLW level had this opportunity, played with the fearlessness of someone who had nothing to lose and, as Hara just said, won the the victory uh, medal for best player in the championship winning season. And she's only 24. Like, she's not a young player. She's, you know, she's had a few seasons behind her in the MPLW and to great acclaim as well, I think, uh, media player of the year two seasons in a row. So I think she's like that third category of player that, has really benefited from what the W League has been this season. So it's a, a testament to her and to the whole team. I think we could, like, waffle on about this grand final and these two teams in particular for ages. We could literally, like, gush about every player in each of the squads because they've just been so magnificent. But we'll leave it there because we don't want this to turn into a three-hour-long pop. So we'll kick along. We will now do the You Love to See It for the season. So we will each have the thing that we most loved to see this season. Angela, kick us off. What did you love to see most this season? So when you you sent this through in the group chat to get us th- having to think about it, um, and I was a little bit 
intoxicated at the time when you sent it. And I think that's a good thing because it was like heart full, head empty. And the first thing that came into my mind was that Lisa Devanagol in the first Melbourne derby um, where she just, oh my, I think because like quite literally, I was like, we were at the perfect spot, me and Marissa, to watch the goal and just see her like tear along half the field, rip away from the defence and just place it in the goal so perfectly. And I think, yeah, she's been, um, Sam just talked about what Lisa Devanna has meant to this season. But, yeah, it's just classic Lisa and just emblematic of her abilities as a goal scorer. And, yeah, it was just also in the context of, literally being able to attend a dub game with my friend and the crowd was like fantastic at that game as well. And it was just, I guess, just feeling grateful that we we've had those opportunities this season to just be able to stand on the fence and watch these incredible players do their thing. So yeah, that's my love to see it. Sam, what was your, you love to see it of the season? So I sort of mentioned her uh, in my earlier little rant, but Raleigh Dobson's retirement. um, That was, I think, not just for me, but for a lot of people, that was a really emotional moment because, like, it wasn't just that it was a fabulous love story, but it was that Raleigh's decision to step back from the game stems from the same sort of love that she has shown the game for over 10 years. And... Again, she is part of this group of women who haven't kicked on overseas. They haven't used their W League form as a launch pad for national team duties. They've just come back season after season. They've dedicated themselves to to the game here, to the W League, to the MPL, to their teammates here, to the community here. And that, that means... So I don't think people really understand what these women have had to do in order to in order to do that you know marissa you've been tallying the 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 100 club this season we have over 30 players now who have played over 100 games in the w league to be able to do that given the length of the season it's just 12 to 14 games is really an extraordinary accomplishment and for players like Raleigh who have been going through so much off the field and have had to make so many sacrifices in order to reach that milestone. It's it just like that game in that moment had so much weight to it for me. And I think for a lot of other people as well, it meant so much. And I'm so glad that she got that moment in, in the sun because she deserved it. And so many other women deserve it. And yeah, that's, that's sort of why um, I got quite emotional when that whole game happened and, and the sort of the, uh, the days afterwards as well, because she she is so symbolic of this group of women who have not been celebrated for how much they have done for the league. So, yeah, Riley Dobson's retirement is my you love to see it for the season. Harrow, what did you love to see the most? Yeah, my you love to see it came from the opening round because we just start or we just started doing our podcast not too long beforehand, and we're obviously really hyped to do the W League and. We were really wrapped when we saw um, Cote Rojas sign for Adelaide because we were like, this is the spark that you want to see in the league. You want to see these players that have sort of been floating around, banging in goals for fun. Like, you want to see these players get their shot in the W League. And um, she did only score one goal for the season. But I think we were dubbing at the pubbing at the time, the three of us, Marissa, Angela and I in, in Melbourne. And I think Sam was watching on, obviously from Sydney and um, is that season opener against Canberra um, where Adelaide went up because uh, I think Fiona Wirtz put the ball through and Cote Rojas just takes off, um, leaves most of the Canberra defence in a just in her wake and then just shimmies around another and puts this great finish in. And that was when we went, the summer of Cote Rojas. And for me, well, she didn't score so many goals. She was involved in so many and was a spark in so many games and sort of, Um, was a real talisman for that Adelaide team, the way that they lit up the league and was super exciting and obviously had a record crowd, played really exciting football with local players. And Koto Rojas is Chilean, of course, but she is also an Adelaide local. She's been playing in the SANPLW. So that starts of the season, it kind of summed up that chaotic season that they had the last gasp loss in that sort of chaos game. But it was so exciting and what Adelaide brought to the league was so exciting. So for me, it kind of kicked off this new era for us in that it was 
a great moment with a player who's floated around, not got too many goes and just added this moment of brilliance. And from there, I think we're all like, this is going to be a fun season. And it's been such a fun season. So, yeah, I guess Cote Rojas doing Cote Rojas things, kicking off the summer of Cote Rojas and one of the funnest W League seasons of all time. You'd love to see it. Thought you were going to say that time that um, Cote Rojas grabbed Kayla Morrison's shirt and essentially catapulted herself into Kayla Morrison. Man, you love that. (laughs) It was so good. Like, I was pretty tempted by that. Just an all-timer, Kayla Morrison being like, what? (laughs) And getting the free kick as Cote Rojas just on the floor being like, oh, I've got to play up an injury now (laughs) because I've got caught out here. Great times, classic hits. All round. As I said, most fun W League season ever. Marissa, what's your you love to see it for the season? I have no idea what this could be. I know, like, I'm in I, I'm going to surprise a lot of people here when I say it was Kyra Cooney Cross scoring an 120th minute Olympico to win the victory championship. Like, got, okay, like, you know, it is a bit of a piss take my whole Olympico brand for the too long didn't read is Christine Nairn scored an Olympico to win Melbourne Victory, a Melbourne Derby in early 2019. And I laughed watching that goal because it was just the best. I love Christine Nairn. It was just the best goal. So as a joke, I just kind of kept saying more Olympicos, more Olympicos. We just need more Olympicos. Then we fast forward to the 2019 uh, Women's World Cup. Kellen Knight scores an Olympico against Norway to keep us in that game. Again, one of my favourite players. She's the number I have on my back. So it just, it's kind of snowballed from there. So to now have a third player score an Olympico in a very important game to me, right in front of me, is just bananas. And I I really can't wrap my head around it. Because the other thing with the Olympicos is that the, the three that I've just mentioned have all kind of been symbolic of bigger moments so for me with the Kyra Cooney cross one that was my first away trip that was my first W League grand final I was sitting in the away bay with a bunch of mates some of whom I've known for years but had never met before people who have become incredibly close to and we were joking because we were sitting in the corner it's this is it guys we're gonna have an Olympico we're gonna have an Olympico and it was fun and we were all taking the piss every time there was a corner, you know, the boys in front of me would turn around and be like, oh, that was close. We were nearly there. We were nearly there. We thought it was so funny that Teresa Polias, noted excellent corner taker, was off her game taking corners in that grand final. And Sydney had seven, but they were always kind of just off or going out on the full or whatever it was. Kyra and Angie, on the other hand, were just putting them in in the most spectacular areas. So, for, it, for the game to be decided in the last minute with an Olympico after we had spent the entire game joking that this was it, this was the time. It was awesome because I love Olympicos. I think they're just beautiful and ridiculous and they make no sense and that's what makes them so fun. But for it to be the culmination of all of us kind of joking and having fun at this grand final, watching the W League, being with mates, and all of a sudden that happens... It was incredible. And as Angela said, a friend of the pod, Dave Manuka, turned around, looked at me and said, Marissa, Olympico. And I was, as I say, you've, you've seen my face. It's in a lot of the uh, the videos that have come out after that game. I was basically in tears. And it was just the best moment. It was the best ending. And I have spoken way too much about this. It wasn't that deep. But anyway, I loved to see it. And it was just the best way to possibly finish that grand final. Let's move on to something else. Let's move on. A little bit of season review. We've spoken a lot about all the teams throughout the many, many W League episodes we have produced this season. So we're going to do one-liner season reviews for each of the teams because if you want to hear what we've thought about their seasons in more detail, there's like 30 episodes you can listen to over at ESPN.com.au and whatnot. All right. Brisbane Raw. Harrow. One-liner, Brisbane Raw. Lost the wrong players at the wrong time. Angela, Canberra. Michelle Heyman show, but also 
Oh, fuck, no. That's two lines. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Michelle Heyman, watch. Sam, Adelaide. A new era. Sam, I'm also going to go to you for Western Sydney. Extend the season. Angela, Melbourne City. Rebuilding and uh, figuring out what they're going to be moving forward. Tara, the Jets. Tara, Andrew, show, and otherwise a bit of what might have been. And I'm going to do Perth Glory because I can. Next season, look out. All right, that's it. That's done. And that's the season review done. So now let's move on to more fun things, our team of the season. So we had a long list. We've done some tinkering. We've had some thoughts, some feelings. We've also realised that the PFA team of the season was very good and we're actually really big fans of it. So we're going to copy the PFA's homework but just tweak it a little bit. So they, they made one... So we have one rule when we do team of the seasons here and at the Far Post pod, and that's you've got to put players in the position they play. So the one where we think the PFA team of the season cheated a bit was... Um, naming Jamila Rankin at left back and Angie Beard at right back when they're both left backs. They're both left backs. You can't play one at right back because they didn't play at right back all season. Um, so therefore a right back has been robbed. So we have to have a right back in there. That, that was, I think that was our main gripe. So team of the season, the PFA had Gabby Garten. I think we're all pretty comfortable with that, with Tegan Micah as the clear second choice keeper. Yeah, I think Tegan Micah's injury at the end probably hurt her in that sense. She was clearly the standout earlier in the season, um, but she did miss a bit of game time. So then back line, we've got Claire Polkinghorne and Kayla Morrison in the heart of defence. Again, I don't think you can really uh, have too many questions with that. Who are our fullbacks then? NG Beard and Polly Doran. Yeah. But so it's it's three out of four victory defenders, but you know they it is what it is. Clean sheets for the season, though. So yeah, they they <laughs> had a great defense. And also, I would just like to say that at the start, our season preview, I was like worried about victory's defense, and I'm so glad that I was completely wrong in that regard. So you live, you learn, you acknowledge that you cooked it. But yes, so glad that I did. Fantastic defense this season. I think Jamila Rankin has to be on the bench, though. <laughs> like I thought she was fantastic I also need to give a shout out I think to Ali Green who mm. was I think she really flew under the radar in terms of fullbacks this season she was so dynamic she was so full of heart uh she she really stepped up when she needed to this season and particularly alongside a number of players who sort of had to slot in at the last minute another shout out to Nat Tobin who is not a centre back mm but stepped into that Liz Ralston role absolutely beautifully alongside Ellie Brush and then alongside Natasha Pryor. Um, yeah, both of those players, I think, were just were excellent this season for Sydney. And a little shout-out to the Adelaide defence, who had some really good moments as well. We like Mariska Waldos and Charlie Grant. Clearly showed how much potential she's got for the future as well with some of those real sort of dashing performances down, down that right-hand side. So, yeah, lots of quality to, to look out for, which was super exciting for us. So moving into the midfield then, the PFA, I think, got it spot on. You, a midfield three of Teresa Polias, Tamika Yollop and Kyra Cooney-Cross. Absolute perfection. It's that good. But there were heaps of players that were had great seasons but just were maybe unlucky to miss out or didn't need just that little bit more to kind of break into that midfield. So who did we like the look of that did not make it into the, into the midfield three? I mean, come on. Come on, PFA. Who could really? you possibly suggest, Sam? Who could I possibly suggest? Of course, Claire Wheeler belongs in this midfield. She was absolutely extraordinary when she started to get some regular game time. And I think that's probably the only reason that she's missing is because she took a little bit of time to warm into the season because she came in with an injury. But as soon as she hit her straps... She became arguably one of the top five midfielders in the entire league. And I think she can only get better from here. She, especially after Courtney Vine went down, 
Claire Wheeler became one of the most attacking sort of threats for that side. And in the grand final, after Princess went down, she was the one doing all the work. She was running deep from midfield. She was she covered half the planet on that field, I swear to God. So, yeah, Claire Wheeler, I think, really belongs there. And another player who I think suffered perhaps because she didn't play a full season was Dylan Holmes at Adelaide. She got that move to Sweden, which is fantastic. Good for her. She got her first Matildas cap, which is even more fantastic. Um, and she was really just the, the heartbeat of that Adelaide midfield. She'd been there for such a long time. She was such a workhorse. She's so smart on the ball, really creative as well. Um, I'm really excited to see what the both of them can do because they're still only quite young. And as a, I guess, a midfield unit like Adelaide stands out, I suppose, in terms of the chemistry there and the players that they had it was very solid so the likes of Georgia Cam- Campagnoli and Emily Condon Chelsea Dorber like all all fantastic names and I think they all made a point this season as well it, it was a pretty good season as far as midfielders go I agree with you Sam I think the stuttering start for Claire Wheeler is the thing that keeps her out um just that the other three performed for a whole season so that's a pretty pretty rough thing to miss out for but she's clearly the first name on the bench like and you could slot her in anywhere is the best thing about Claire Wheeler's season. She showed some versatility, which is what we love. Um, but yeah, Alex Jidiak had a bit of a slow start, obviously flying in to join Melbourne City, but then was clearly their most influential player for the rest of the season and really kicked on. Um, and a shout out for, we mentioned her earlier, Amy Jackson, who um, was clearly playing a big role in holding everything together for Melbourne victory, a linchpin. Not such a goal scorer she has been in previous seasons, but did so much of that defensive dirty work, especially once Nat Tatham went down in the first game um, and had a brilliant season. But yeah, we couldn't really argue with that that PFA midfield. Just uh, spot on, to be honest. And finally, the kind of front three. So the PFA had uh, Michelle Heyman, Emily Gilnick, Lisa Devanna. Now, Gilnick, I think if, if you're arguing, arguing against Emily Gilnick, there's something wrong with you respectfully. Like, no one has any issues with Emily Gilnick, golden boot, record equaling season in terms of goals scored. Absolutely sensational. We, as the, the starters of Heyman Watch, are obviously also very on board with Michelle Heyman being in this, this front three. Lisa DeManna is not contentious, but I suppose there we, we have some points that we would like to discuss in terms of other players who maybe had better seasons. So who did we think could also or should be in that in that uh, front three? Not to steal Sam's bit with Sydney players, but Courtney Bum is sensational. Like, in terms of a player taking a game to the next level, she's just electric, scoring goals, assisting goals. And you could see once she went down, Sydney FC lacked that X factor they lacked that spark they had still lots of great quality players like make no mistake about that but for me she was a bit of a difference maker like in that in that group she added something a bit different um and for me like she was I think the standout of those Sydney FC forwards um in terms of both her goals and her assists and should probably be in there and if yeah proper wing at least had a good team but I also also thought if you were going to look at a victory player it would have probably been Melina Ayers, who was the most consistent of the victory forwards. Um, Zimmerman was also very good, but I think if you're picking just one player for mine, it would have been Courtney Vine. Like I just thought she had such a good season. And as I said, you you notice someone almost when they're absent more than when they're there. And she was just, yeah, sensational. And as a the resident Canberra enough, I'd also just like to chip in another um, person who I guess deserves a shout out is Nikki Flannery. Um, at the start of the season, I was, I said that I'd just like to see her enjoy her football again. And I think she really did that in this Canberra setup. And, um, yeah, she, Oh yeah. That semi-final moment that she, but she had her moments, but I think, um, she's only going to be able to develop further building off this season and having that great foundation to build on. So, yeah. Stop my bit, Harrow. I've got no answers. This is like Courtney Vine was going to be my answer because she was just been she's just been extraordinary for Sydney. She's been you know outside of Claire Wheeler, she's been signing of the season. Um, I thought you know in saying that, I do think Princess Sabini has had probably her best season for Sydney as well. And considering she's been there for six seasons now, she first signed in 2015. She this is the first season where she's played I think every game. 
She has contributed more goals than she ever has before. And she just seems to have a confidence and a swagger about her, which is the kind of thing that I think we all expected her to be able to have at some point. And now she's been given the confidence and the license to have that. Um, and I think now, hopefully, we're going to see her be able to really take it to the next level um, in the way that we all have wanted her to do for quite a long time. Sam, I only stole your bit because I didn't want people to think you were just going for the Sydney FC player because it was pretty unanimous that we thought sure. yeah, no, was the I, one okay. that, that belonged. It wasn't a Sydney FC, here we go. Like she was clearly a fantastic player. And I think you've like probably after Wheeler recruited the season, like yeah. in terms of pinching a player from another club and elevating them. Fantastic. And it makes you excited as to what she's going to do next and how she responds to copying this injury setback and goes forward. Like those, that Sydney FC front three, especially in the early parts of the season, were just electrifying. They're playing with freedom and confidence. And um, yeah, it, we've talked about it before. They had a, a license to thrill, and that's what they did. And it's, it's a shame that that, because of injuries, et cetera, couldn't carry on through to the very end of the season because they were dynamite at the start. Um, and young players can have these inconsistencies, but it makes you excited for what they're going to do next year. Like another year under their belts. Hopefully, yeah, it's even onto bigger and even better things for them. Exciting times. Very exciting. So that's our team of the season. We might make up a little graphic so you can look at what we actually are talking about while listening to our justifications. But um, final kind of things in terms of season review. We've got the the Jamila Power Rankings. Um, we had a question ages ago from Philip who asked us to do a power ranking of the Kiwis because there were so many in the league this season. We attempted to do it a couple of times, not going to lie to you, but we actually had to Google what a power ranking was and it was all just a bit of a disaster. So now with a full season's worth of evidence, we will offer up a power ranking of the Kiwis. If you disagree with us, Kiwi listeners, I mean... That's your problem. They're your team. You can you can deal with that one. I will kick us off, and it's going to sound very biased, but I do think that the two victory Kiwis are your top two in terms of the Kiwi power rankings. Claudia Bunge was magnificent in her first season. She's incredibly young but did not miss a beat. Her partnership with Kayla Morrison was excellent, and I'm pretty sure she was another one of those players that did not miss many minutes, if any minutes. And we've spoken about Annalie Longo before where Victory just looked like a better team with her in it. When she and Lisa Devanna were both injured kind of mid-season, a lot of people were focusing on Devanna's absence, which obviously you don't want to be missing Lisa Devanna. But I think maybe Longo's absence went a little bit under the radar in terms of what she brings to that midfield. So I'm stealing those two. I think you top two, Bunge and Longo, in terms of the Kiwi power rankings. But who, who would be next? In terms of Brisbane Brawlers season, I think Olivia Chance was really extraordinary plan. It, it wouldn't be a pod without a WE pod without <laughs> Sam having a plane fly over. I knew something was missing. <laughs> we need pod bingo for every episode where just the race. So we need like a plane flyover, we need a melon appearance, we need Harrow saying taking them by the scruff of the neck. We need me. We need me pumping up Claire Wheeler. We need uh, Heyman Watch. We need an Olympic code. I mean, this maybe this is the episode. Maybe this is it. We just need a melon appearance. No, we we had melon appear before we started recording. We did. So he timed his run terribly. Oh, there he is. <gasps> there he is. I sleep on bed when guitar case do good. <laughs> For him. Yeah. All right. I'll start again. Olivia Chance. I thought uh, in terms of Brisbane Roars season, Olivia Chance in midfield was a stroke of genius. Um, when Katrina Gorey had to leave early because of her pregnancy announcement, there were a couple of questions around how Brisbane would fill in that very important gap, um, not just in terms of uh, creative force, but just in terms of having that experienced level-headedness that is needed when you're surrounded by sort of fizzing attacking players. And Olivia Chance, I thought, brought a sense of calm and solidity to that midfield. And to the point where I would probably argue that Brisbane had maybe the best midfield of the whole W League, because by the end of it, they had Olivia Chance, Tamika Yallop, 
and Isabel Dalton, who was the highest assist maker in the whole league for the season. So that midfield three I thought was excellent. And Olivia Chance's goal in the semi-final, that absolute screamer from 30 yards, that was that was a really cool moment to cap off what I thought was a really impressive season from her. Again, her first season in the W League as well, even though she is a little bit older. And I really hope that she kicks on, not just in W League terms or in overseas terms, but also in football firms terms, because I think that she's a really powerful, uh, really powerful, really influential midfielder. I guess in terms of contribution to a team, I know that Perth didn't have a spectacular season, but Lily Alfield between the sticks, she was made a big difference and I think um, captured a lot of attention there. And I think, yeah, um, we'll definitely keep, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on her as she's going next. Um, I hope she sticks around with Perth and that they're able to, yeah, rebuild a little bit more next season and see how she goes with, I guess, um, uh, yeah, uh, an easier run and um, a slightly different squad. But yeah, I thought she was standout. And so then our final three Kiwis were Malia Steinmetz, Elizabeth Anton and Paige Satchel. So two from Perth, one from Canberra. Obviously the Perth girls had not the greatest season, the team as a whole. And Paige Satchel, you know, was part of that uh, Canberra front three, but, you know, behind the likes of Heyman and Nikki Flannery who were putting in the goals it's uh, easy to see why they were kind of lower down our ranking. But yes, so we finally answered that question from Philip. Thank you. Our final little bit of review is uh, looking back at our pre-season preview episode predictions. It was very funny looking back at them, uh, particularly for me, because I was so bad at predicting this W League season. So Our first uh, question was who we thought the top four teams would be. So big congratulations to Angela and Sam who picked it perfectly. Brisbane, Sydney, Victory and Canberra. Harrow and I, to be fair, weren't far off. We, We had Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne Victory in there as well, but had both put Melbourne City in. It's like an ominous death star. You're just like, they're going to find a way, but they didn't. They kind of finished. They did, but that was our reasoning. It was like there's nothing really to suggest that City are going to go and do it, but it's City, so you've got to put them in there just in case. And now we feel at peace. Sorry. Now we feel at peace. (laughs) They're going to hurt us next year. We're going to be like, see, and then just, yeah, they're going to do the thing. And I won't be able to sleep again. So (laughs) in terms of champions none of us got it right Angela and Sam had Brisbane as the overall champions uh Anna and I had said that Sydney were going to win so we were all wrong um (laughs) wooden spoon we could have all been right uh Angela Anna and I all said that Perth would finish dead last Samantha who who did you say would be finishing last all right okay I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something to the podcast listeners um it's one of my greatest shames when it comes to predictions but a couple of seasons ago after Kylie Ledbrook had a really standout season for Sydney FC she got a move to the Wanderers And I was asked uh, in writing a season preview who my player of the season for that season would be. And I chose Kylie Ledbrook. And Kylie Ledbrook had the worst season for Western Sydney. She did next to nothing. I think she scored like one goal. She was substituted off regularly. It was just a shocker. So ever since that, I have never really put much weight into my ability to predict particularly when it comes to things involving Western Sydney. And so I picked Western Sydney as my wooden spooners for this season, but I am so glad to be wrong. Uh, I thought the team, particularly towards the back half, were really impressive. I hope that they continue to kick on into next season so that I don't, when I do have a kind of prediction, like the one I'm making right now, or I do hope you do well next season, I hope that I'm right. Please, please let me be right. Let me break this curse. Oh, goodness me. Um, so we also had players to watch. I'd like you all to just, I suppose, have a little sentence on 
how you saw the season of the player that you chose to watch. So, Angela, you had selected Tori Tumor based on a friend of the pod, Eric's constant pumping. What did you make of her season in the end? I think she had a bit of a rough start, to be honest, um, but things definitely improved when she got moved up the pitch a little bit more. And I think, um, yeah, the the back heel for the Raleigh Dobson assist in their last game was just a nice little cherry on the top for her. So um, I think it, yeah, teething issues, but hopefully with this season under her belt, she'll know what to work on and to improve on next season. Um, yeah, so I'll still be keeping tabs on her as well. Sam, you picked Hannah Lowry from Perth Glory. What did you make of her season? I thought she was excellent. And a lot of people that we've spoken to on the pod in preview episodes heading up to finals also said that she was excellent for Perth. You know, it was a really tough season for them. Um, They obviously finished last. They faced so many more challenges than any other side in the league did. But Hannah Lowry seemed to grow into it. She seems to really... um, confirm a lot of the hype that had been sort of swirling around her at youth national team levels for a long time. She ended up as their joint golden boot winner. Um, She was one of the most creative players. She, I think, played every single match as well, which is quite good for a 17-year-old in her first season. Um, And she and a lot of people now at Clubland have got tabs on her going, I mean, but even in saying that, Perth have done a very clever thing in locking her down for next season alongside Natasha Rigby and head coach Alex Aparkas. So that that sends a good message to me. I think it sends a good message to Hannah. The club believe in her. They see her potential in the same way that Melbourne Victory saw the potential of Kyra and they saw the potential of Molina when they signed them to long-term deals. So that's really that's really great. And um, I would like to think that I was correct in in picking Hannah Lowry as my player to watch because I think that she was the shining light for Perth this season. I think you can definitely take that one as a win. Anna, you jokingly said Claire Wheeler because Sam had pumped her up so much and you just wanted to see what the, the hype was all about. But your actual answer was the same as mine. It was Tyra Cooney-Cross. I think we were, we were pretty right in our predictions. What did you make of Tyra's season? Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. I think we all had... Um high expectations off the back of their season at Wanderers and then coming back to victory as a, I guess, a more experienced player ready to sort of round out her game. Um, Jeff Hopkins put full faith in her to sort of be the attacking fulcrum of that team. And it worked. Like she, um, she really built into the season as well. I thought it really like her performances escalated as it went on, as it got closer to the pointy end when things were on the line, like let's not forget victory were fifth, like a couple of games out from the end of the season. So she turned it on when it mattered. She scored goals. She assisted. She created. And obviously she turned on her best game when it mattered in the grand final and scored the Olympico when it mattered. Like, And this is a player that you would hope we don't see in the W League next season because she's gone on to bigger and better things and is playing in Europe for the right team, for the right team, let me stress. Like, she's a young player. She needs to be nurtured. She needs to get game time. Um you'd think maybe Scandinavia could be a good spot for her to start, like a Norway or a Sweden would be an ideal sort of spot for her. I hope it is something like that where she can expand her game. But yeah, like clearly another tick for old mate Harrow in the, uh, in the season predictions. So, <laughs> but I think we all thought she was going to be good. So it's not exactly like a, a shock to any of us that she performed, but yeah, it was the consistency for mine and the constant elevating of her performances that really impressed. Um, yeah, fantastic. And like I said, hopefully we're not putting her in these boxes again next year because she should be playing somewhere else and taking her career to another level and hopefully um, putting on the green and gold at senior level. Another tick for old mate Harrow was your golden boot uh, <laughs> prediction. Emily Gilnick ended up just running away with it after a, a slow start. Um, the the three of us also basically had the same two players over and over again in our other predictions, so Remy Simpson and Catherine Zimmerman, although Angela did say that Michelle Heyman would probably be doing things, and oh boy, did she do things. All right, so let's wrap up this grand final review. Firstly, you've probably forgotten about it, but we haven't, even though it seems like we have our far totes giveaway for dub at the pub entries. We've selected some winners, so we're going to be DMing them. We'll figure out how to get those totes to you. But thank you so much for getting behind dub at the pub. We know that some of you 
took a little bit of liberty with Dub at the Pub. You were dubbing at the Dub as well or doing it from home. So we love that you got around it and we hope you continue getting around it. But those winners, we will post them on our socials and get in contact with them so that we can actually give you the far totes. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast for the for the W League season, for all of the pre-season. We, we've had just the absolute best time making this podcast and we hope that you've actually enjoyed listening to it. We want to give a huge thank you to all the guests we had on throughout the podcast. So the likes of Heather Reed, Alex Scummer, Ellie Brush, Teresa Polias, Georgie Worth, Angie Beard, Laura Hughes, Claire Wheeler and Gabby Garten. We cannot thank them enough for jumping on and having a chat to us throughout the season. I have to thank you three for jumping on and sharing your takes every week. It's been an absolute pleasure. We have to thank the ESPN guys when they jumped on board for all that they did in terms of socials and video and whatnot. Um, We've had the absolute best time. Remember, you can check out, you can go back and listen to us if you really want to on ESPN.com.au, on the ESPN app. You can find us Spotify, Google, Apple, all of those places. We'll still be around at the Far Post Pod on all social media, but we will be taking a little break because we're very tired. There's been a lot of podcasts, especially in the last couple of weeks. So after that little break, we'll be back, hopefully with lots of fun stuff that you will enjoy. But um, I think mm-hmm. from Sam, Angela and I, thanks and shout out to Marissa for hosting yeah. everything wrangling us every week and sometimes multiple times a week for bonus podcasts muting us when we have to be muted stopping us bickering stopping oh my god it's like muting cats honestly like marissa just did the most amazing job so we are so thankful for you marissa not just for like doing so much work but for suggesting it in the first place for coming i know, know this marissa came to us in our group chat and said hey Let's do it. We had a pod because there's not really one out there that just talks about Australian women's football. Would you guys be keen? And we were like, fuck yeah, we'd be keen. And so here we are. We've got our brand. We've got got our various brands and we're associated with ESPN and we're doing all this great stuff. We have so many projects in the works for the winter. Everything is going to just take off from here towards 2023. And it's all because Marissa Marissa. decided to come into our chat and say, hey, guys, I've got an idea. Maurice yes. Law Danny, Merciless <laughs> Danny, we, we salute you. I, that was gross. I hated that, but thanks a lot. Oh, shut oh. up. <laughs> you better include it in the pod. Say it.